2: From the Society for Nautical Research, in partnership with Lloyd's Register Foundation, I'm Sam Willis, and this is the Mariner's Mirror podcast. The world's number one podcast, dedicated to all of maritime history. It's approaching the end of February, I can certainly feel a bit of spring coming in the garden. But as ever, let's start by turning our thoughts to the cold to the stranded sailors of the well-ship Swan of Hull. She's trapped in the ice on the west coast of Greenland in the new year of 1837. Those poor sailors have survived the worst of the winter, but their trials are by no means over. The readings come from a transcription made specially for the podcast from the ship's logbook, held in the archives of the Caird Library at the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich.
3: tuesday twenty eighth of February, strong northerly winds, the ship driving south very fast, having shut the waygate straits in with four Island Point land since Saturday. a bear seen this night close to the ship, a two hundred and fifty five gallon shake number twenty four cut up for fuel. the land shows itself this day very distinct, four Island Point bearing per compass south distant twenty five miles thermometer thirty degrees below zero. Latitude by observation 70 degrees by 25 north. Saturday 4th of March. Strong breezes with thick hazy weather, the ship driving south. Middle and latter parts strong gale with a great drift of snow which has prevented our seeing any great distance. 47 bergs were counted from the deck yesterday, some of them inshore of us, and the others extending as the winds at our larboard quarter. Thermometer 14 degrees below zero.
2: This week, it's sea shanties. What on earth is going on? Those of you with an eye on the news and on social media will know that the major craze which has actually taken the world by storm, that's not a joke, it's true, is for sea shanties. It's almost unbelievable. In fact, I think it's, it is is completely unbelievable. It all happened when a Scottish postman, Nathan Evans... His life changed overnight when he posted a TikTok video of him singing the famous sea shanty The Weller Man. It was viewed very quickly over nine million times and sparked a huge trend with thousands of different versions of the song appearing from all over the world, including some of the most famous names in music. Nathan then signed a record deal with Polydor and released The Wellerman as a debut track and also a remix of it, which no doubt you will have heard on the radio. If you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, then just sit down and Google Wellerman and particularly Wellerman TikTok and you'll see what all the fuss is about. The song's fascinating. It's a well-known whaling song from the 1860s, from New Zealand. The song frequently refers to Weller men. They're supply ships owned by the Weller brothers. That's Edward, George and Joseph Weller. They're all English-born. They had migrated to Sydney and then headed further east. And in 1829, founded a whaling station in Otaku, uh, near modern Dunedin, in the South Island of New Zealand. That's a full 17 years before the first British settlement of Dunedin. So these guys are real pioneers. From 1833, they sell provisions to whalers in New Zealand from their base at Otaku, uh, which they named Otago for the local Maori pronunciation. In its heyday in 1834, their whaling station was producing 310 tonnes of whale oil a year. And it became the centre of a network of seven different stations, all highly profitable. Uh, at Otago alone, they employed 85 people. But their success didn't last because the colony of New Zealand was not actually declared until 1840. So the Weller brothers were treated as foreign traders and they were affected by ruinous, British import tariffs on their whale oil. They were declared bankrupt in 1840 and the station closed in 1841. So this song, long-lasting though it may actually be, refers to just a glimmer of time in the Pacific whaling trade around New Zealand. The song's lyrics describe a whaling ship called the Billy of Tea and hunting for a right whale and the crew's hopes for a weller man. That's a supply ship sent by the Weller brothers who bring them luxuries. They bring them sugar and tea and rum. The song is particularly noticeable for its reference to tonguing. That's the practice of cutting strips of whale blubber to render into oil. So that at least is the great story of The Weller Man. And of course, you've guessed it. We've done our own version of the shanty. And here it is. It's a bit of me. It's a bit of Jerry Smith. He's our guest historian who will be talking about the history of sea shanties in a minute. And it's also a bit of Jamie White, our sound editor, who has also blended the whole thing together. There once was a ship that put to sea, and the name of the ship was the Billy of Tea. The winds blew hard about it down, oh blow, my bully boys blow. Huh. Soon may the wellman come, to bring the sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing
4: is done, we'll take our leave and go. She had not been two weeks from shore When down on her right whale bore The captain called all hands and swore He'd take that whale in tow Soon may
3: the weller man come To bring us sugar and tea and rum One day when the tongue in his tongue, We'll take our
2: leave and go before the boat had hit the water, the whale's tail came up and caught her, old hands to the side, harpooned and fought her when she dived down low. Uh. Soon may the man come to
4: bring us sugar and tea and rum, one day when the tongue in his tongue we'll take our leave and go. No line was cut, no whale was and the captain's mind was not on He belonged to the whalemen's creed She took that ship in tow oh. Soon may the whaleman come To
3: bring the sugar and tea and rum One day with when the tongue in his tongue We'll take our leave and go
2: For forty days or even more The line went slack then tight once more All boats were lost, there were only four And still that whale did go oh. May the Wellerman come to bring the
4: sugar and tea and rum One day when the tongue is done, we'll take our leave and go. As far as I've heard, the fight's still on, the line's not cut and the whale's not gone. The Wellerman makes his regular call to to encourage encourage the captain, crew and all. Soon may the Wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tongue is done, we'll take our leave and go. Soon may the Wellerman come To bring the sugar and tea and rum One day when the tongue in his tongue We'll take our leave and
2: you enjoyed that. A number of people were involved in that very entertaining project Uh, and if you've enjoyed it do send us your own version. I'd absolutely love to hear what you can come up with. Now for a bit of history, I spoke this week to one of our leading historians of shanties, Jerry Smith. He's just released a book published by the British Library called Sailor Song on the history of these wonderful maritime songs. Originally from Dublin, Jerry Smith is an academic. He's a musician, an actor, and a playwright. And he's Professor of Irish Cultural History at Liverpool John Moores University. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him, and I hope you enjoy listening to him too. Hi, Jerry. I think we should probably start at the beginning. What exactly is a
4: shanty? Uh, I've been asked this quite a lot over the last couple of weeks, as you can imagine. Um, the, the, the definition of shanty that I've been working with is basically a 19th century work song that was sung on board the trading vessels uh, operating between Europe um, and the New World. Uh, mostly in the kind of Atlantic Theatre of Operations. Um, and it's it's a kind of singing that emerged in order to facilitate uh, the kind of work that was being uh, performed on board these large wind-powered sailing vessels. So that's the kind of definition of shanty that I've been working with.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a, quite a specific period of time, this. Um, you would, I was reading your book talking about the 19th century when there's an explosion of maritime trade. Some might think that shanties are a lot older. Could you just talk a little bit about how you narrowed it down?
4: I think they probably are a, a, a lot older. We don't have a great deal of evidence. There is some evidence that, that uh, researchers have, ha, have uh, accumulated o- over the years, but it's pretty scanty. Um, and it's not really until we get into this particular phase of maritime capitalism that a kind of canon of work starts to emerge that that's subsequently collected uh, and preserved, and that's how we know so much about of it uh, about it but in terms of kind of singing at sea I, I you know what one imagines it's it's as old as the species itself as long as people have been going to sea for whatever reason um but but in, for one reason in particular, in order to make the job easier, in order to take in order to take the 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 task and the difficulty of getting from one place to another place, uh, on 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 the ocean using whatever vessel that you happen to have, people would sing in in order to kind of uh, alleviate fear and boredom, in in order to make the 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 work uh, go quicker, and perhaps also to kind of celebrate when when eventually they got to where they were supposed to be going
2: yeah there's a there's a real question of efficiency as well with the work, and so rather than just making the work go quickly the you know the ability to haul in time was crucial to be able to perform the tasks required of them.
4: That's right. In, in 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 relation to the shanty, uh, somebody asked me in an interview last week, uh, "Did other professions have work songs?" And I'm pretty sure they did. We we know about kind of plantation songs, for example. We know about whaling sing- songs, uh, logging uh, songs. Uh, so the 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 idea of singing is is, is associated with a lot of professions. The particular uh, form that evolved in relation to kind of these big ships required precision, required a team of of men uh, doing the same action at the same time and utilising the the faculty of rhythm in order to kind of expedite that. So the song would have a kind of underlying rhythm. Uh, Everybody would know it. Everybody would recognise it. And everybody knew that they had to do the same thing at the same time during the song. That's what enabled the job to be uh, completed more efficiently. That's what enabled the ship to get from one side of the ocean to the other more quickly. And that's what drove profits. Um, so that, that's that's what's peculiar about the, the shanty as opposed to other forms of work song.
2: Yeah, uh, you, the, the example you give is I sell brooms, squeegees and swabs, which I liked very much. Could you explain
4: that? Uh, this was a kind of line that was given to the great collector Cecil Sharp um, sometime around the beginning of the 20th century, when an old tar retired um, sailor was trying to explain the principle of the shanty. And he used this line, I, squ- I sell brooms, squeegees and swabs, in, in order to kind of explain. Uh, now, you can take that line and, and you can kind of put a, 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 a rhythm underneath it. You, you can scan it, in other words, as the poets would do. Um, For example, you can do it in four over four time. You go, I sell brooms, squeegees and squabs. One and two and three and four and one and two and three and four. And I sell brooms, squeegees and swabs. Now, that rhythm is established and everybody's looking at everybody else and everybody knows that on the word swabs, you're all going to do the same thing, then that means that that that, that job is, it's kind of generating... um, energy above and beyond that possessed by the individual units of the team. So um but you can also kind of you can do that that same line in a different way. You could kind of you could change the emphasis. For example, I sell brooms, squeegees and swabs. I sell brooms, squeegees and swabs. So that's a That's a that's a, a tri- triple time. um Six over eight. Um So you can sing a different song uh, with a different rhythm. But you're, you're, you're heading towards the same end, everybody doing the same thing at the same time on the word swabs, for example.
2: And with The people, people listening to this uh, make you realise how important it is that you have essentially a conductor, not necessarily a man with a stick, but someone who's very much in charge of what's going on, who decides how you're going to sing it, what you're going to do, when you're going to do it. And that, of course, was the shanty man. How important was he?
4: I think the shanty man was very important um first of all for the reason that you've already mentioned that that uh, to coordinate effort um is 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 a uh, a very subtle skill uh the shanty man was was somebody who was experienced both in maritime practice but also in shanty culture, so he would know the right song for the job of work at hand um and he was the one who kind of said he was he was the one who would kind of identify the song, deliver the first line, and then everybody would fall into line. Um, but with, with, without him, I mean, I think you use the word conductor. You can imagine an orchestra trying trying to play without a conductor. I think there've been some experiments with this, and it kind of works. But but really, the conductor is the person who who kind of holds it all together. He's the kind of focalizer. To, to, to use a narrative term, Um, he's the one whose vision, as it were, um, makes the whole thing work and gives it a particular kind of signature and a particular kind of tone. That's why um, the same piece by a different conductor will will kind of function differently and and will be performed differently. So it's probably the same in relation to the shanty man, although less, less subtle. But a different shanty man will have a different tempo. He might choose a different song um and it certainly he will use different lyrics because the lyrics of these songs never stay the same um
2: yeah it, it made me wonder whether the um the songs went with the ship or with the shanty man whether there was a tradition which went with, with along with each ship or with the person leading it what do you think about that
4: i'm not sure i th- i think it's more to do with the the shanty man and with the canon of songs that's available um, I I don't doubt that there were different versions of songs sung on different vessels. Um, one of the things you find out about shanties when you start to kind of look at them a bit closely is that there are dozens and dozens of different versions of individual shanties, um, and I'm sure it was the same between kind of different national traditions as well. Uh, there were the French. German, Scandinavian, they all had versions of, of shanties, but they would all be kind of um, uh, tweaked differently. Um, so the answer to that is I don't really know. I, I guess a, sh- a good shanty man would have a canon of songs uh, available to him. But people would be producing new lines and new new versions all the time. Um, um, many of the shanties were taken from kind of contemporary popular songs, uh, music hall, or um, you know, kind of uh, pop- popular songs, or sometimes art music from from the nineteenth century. So we'd have to come up with a a new set of lyrics or a kind of borrowed set of lyrics in order to fit the melody that that w- that was now uh, being being used. So it's a very fluid process and a very fragmented process. I I, I think there's probably no hard and fast rule. Uh, to which one can kind of um, subscribe and say this is the way things actually were.
2: Yeah. One of the things that really struck me was um, your uh, paragraphs on Capstan and Halyard songs. And I'd never really considered that there would be different types of shanties. I thought that was absolutely fascinating.
4: Yeah. Uh, I mean, for whatever kind of jobs were were, were were needed on board the ship, um, <clears throat> the shanties were reserved for, for, for work. Um, and the sailors wouldn't sing shanties when they were off duty. They sang lots of other songs. Uh, they sang kind of ballads and this particular kind of song that, that we, we call forbidders, referring to the part of the ship where they were sung. But w- when they were involved um, in, in all those onboard tasks, it, it kind of makes sense that because there are different kinds of tasks, different kinds of songs would evolve to suit them. So if you think about raising a sail, for example, these are big, heavy, uh, pieces of cloth, you know, v- very heavy, and they need kind of a particular kind of energy and a particular kind of physical action in in order to uh, to to raise them. So the song has to be of a particular kind. It has to have a length that gives the sailors a chance to to get their breath and to retrieve and store their energy in order to get ready for the next uh, uh, action that's a different kind of um uh performance from say pushing a capstan uh, around raising a, a an anchor which is much more kind of uh, continuous um it has a team of men standing around a kind of circular uh, device um pushing on these bars sometimes all day if it was a very big ship a very heavy ship um so a different kind of um song was 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 required because the actions weren't 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 exactly the same, they needed to be more continuous. You could even sometimes afford to sing uh, four line ballads uh, with with these, as long as the people were were pushing at the same time, and and there was a place for them to kind of come in afterwards. Um, pumping is another on on board task that that had kind of specific shanties attached to it. Uh, s- sweating up that's that last little pull in order to get the, the last ounce of wind out of, out of a, a sail uh, holy stoning the decks uh, that's uh, cleaning them with with little pieces of kind of holy stone um, so all these jobs had specific shanties attached to them there was probably a large amount of overlap but nevertheless that, that explains why uh, different kinds of shanties evolved
0: Here's a cool fact
2: Yeah, I was I was reading uh, recently a wonderful little account of um, a couple. I've forgotten their names now. It's really annoying. But they um, travelled around schools in the early years of the 20th century, collecting playground songs sung by children. And uh, because of their work, there's now an amazing audio archive. They recorded them. They actually went around with a little early kind of cassette recorder. How were these shanties recorded? And I suppose there's a there's a, a follow up question to that it, in terms of how you can kind of recreate an authentic shanty, whether just sort of reading the words and the music, you know, in, in any way, you can can recreate it.
4: Um, well, if, if if those collectors were going on recording, it must have been at least the nineteen twenties, if not the nineteen thirties or forties, um, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, recording technology just wasn't up to the job uh, b- before that. When, when the shanties first began to be collected in the 1870s and 1880s people kind of went around and took took it down by hand um and they would they would um, uh, hopefully have some musical talent which would enable them to transcribe the the melodies uh and and to kind of salvage them um and they would take down the words so far as they could get them sometimes asking uh, particular individuals to sing songs over you know two or three times um as 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 the, the the kind of folk movement blossomed the the collectors got more uh, dedicated more professional um, and and probably more talented as well so by the time you get to people like Percy Granger and Cecil Sharp they they are very talented musicians who can hear and identify uh, and remember a melody probably only with one one listen the lyrics were were more problematic um, and for reasons that I point out in the book that much of the time the lyrics um that that these early uh, um, recorders were were hearing were um, categorically um untranscribable for, for 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 them the the lyrics were were full of Body material, singing about sex and uh, all, all sorts of uh, other things, which the sailors were happy. Uh, it's a very kind of male uh, environment, quite violent, uh, uh, and so on. So they were singing about about stuff that 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 they were they were kind of happy with. But the 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 collectors were hearing stuff that they weren't happy with. So either there was a bit, there was a kind of degree of self censorship going on with with the 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 sailors. They would sing. Watered down versions for, for the the, the uh, collectors or the collectors themselves would change words that, that they heard, uh, and, and the answer to the kind of second or final part of your question is that it, it's a kind of forlorn hope to 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 um, to try to identify a kind of authentic shanty uh, in that respect because there never was an authentic shanty in the first instance. I, 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 I think there were songs that worked and that people knew um, in order to get the job done. Um, but that, that those shanties have never stayed the same in terms of their, their melodies or their words or their tempo or any other aspect. The kind of category of authenticity is something that belongs to a different kind of level of, of, of discourse or a different realm of discourse. It's much more associated with kind of or, with literary culture. In which we can kind of point to a novel and say, you know, that's the novel that that uh, Conrad wrote. Okay, he may have revised it slightly here and there, but basically, it it was written by him and it belongs to him. And we know the general kind of uh, shape and and content of it. Whereas the shanties were were changing all the time. They were changing, you know, from from work from job to job, um, uh, and and from kind of moment to moment, from ship to ship, uh, all, all the time. So. There were kind of the basic outlines of shanties in, in place. These were the ones that the collectors collected, um, but 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 there was no no original to which they could refer back and say, that's the real thing, and this one differs in this way. Yeah. It's amazing, a true living tradition in
2: the sense that you know it's alive, and alive things move and they change, and they're really, really difficult to pin down. That's what I really like about this. You've got a little snatch of it, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not only do we have this fascinating history of shanties in general, which we've been talking about, but each each shanty itself is a wonderful story, um, and there are, there are so many in this book. Uh, I just wanted to pick out a few which which. I think, related to moments in my own personal history, which took me back to certain periods of my life. I've always been fascinated by sea shanties. Um, the first one um, was I listened to it on my 40th birthday. I was in a club in uh, Bristol listening to one of my favourite bands called Skinny Lister. And they sang uh, they sang the shanty John Kanaka. Uh, it's brilliant. And I did not know this extraordinary story behind it.
4: Tell us about it. Um <sighs> So far as I remember uh, from 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 the book my research um uh, suggested that this was a west coast american shanty in the first instance and that it was associated with the the hawaiian islands um uh, and it was probably sung by the by the stevedores and hoosiers who who were uh, loading and unloading ships in in the uh, the, the port uh, the, the port cities along America's west coast, San Francisco and the like. Kanaka, I think, is is a kind of semi derogatory term referring to Pacific Islanders. Um, i have kind of found evidence of of the same term being used in Australia about their Pacific Island. Communities who were sometimes uh, press ganged into work, uh, into land work uh, 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 in in Australia during the nineteenth and early twentieth centuries. Um, So it it has it it has that uh, that association, Um, and it's a kind of you're right. I mean, I've never heard Skinny Lister's version of it, uh, although I know the band. But it's a great song to sing, and it's got that really fantastic underlying rhythm. Uh, which means you can have a lot of fun with it, and it's it's typical shanty. It's call and response, you know. I thought I heard the old man say, "John canakina to ria." Today, today is a holiday. John canakina and so on and so on.
2: That was wonderful. Um, it it makes you realise as well why it's so good. I think because it's got these slightly alien words. It's got two in it, which. It's actually got. I mean, you write here that it might refer to um, uh, as something from the Samoan language, and that links to the you know the West Coast of America. It's not just a random thing that sounds nice.
4: Uh, yeah, I kind of changed it because of my Irish bias. I changed it to, uh, Tur-IA. To but the the uh, other researcher, Stan Hugel, who's one of my main sources uh, for the book, he says that it's a it's a term of, of Samoan or. Origin, But, of course, you're absolutely right as well. I mean, these are just pleasurable songs to sing much of the time. The lyrics are, are kind of more important for how they sound and for the syllables that they fill up in the sentence rather than, you know, they don't tell a coherent story. It's fun to say John Kanakanaka. naka It's fun to say it in the same way that kids have kind of uh, pleasure in, in just saying nonsense words. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, the the whole, the whole history of, of kids' nonsense rhymes as well is, is extraordinary. And they're geniuses at coming up with words that are just super fun to say. Maybe sailors share a bit of that child um, childish playfulness. Um, another one was, um, I, I heard this in Glastonbury um, at some point, I think, in the early 2000s. And I was listening to Bellowhead and they were singing Roll Alabama Roll. Um, I love Bellowhead and I particularly love their version of Roll Alabama um, because they're so playful with the time. Um but this is a, this is a it's, a, it's a, it's a more kind of a straight story about the American Civil War.
4: That's right, Joe. Yeah. Um, the uh, the Confederacy uh, commissioned a ship to be built that would harass the, the North's uh, trading ships. Um, and uh, they commissioned it to be built in um, Birkenhead. Um, uh, and it was financed by Liverpool Capital. I uh, think you know, Liverpool is very important. Uh, maritime city during the 19th century very wealthy um, city as well so they um, they commissioned it uh, uh, as a, just a kind of sailing ship the 292 it was called um, it was launched sailed down the Mersey and once it got beyond British Imperial Waters it was renamed the Alabama and became uh, a ship of war and it, it had a, a pretty bloody career for about two years in in which it sank a lot of them. Uh, um um northern uh, uh, ships all around the world uh, until it finally came a cropper in Cherbourg um, in 1864 where it was sunk by uh, the, the ship, the Kiesage. Um Interesting to, to, to observe as well that, uh, that the, most of the crew escaped and many of them were picked up by uh, a British MP's um Pleasure yacht, taken back to England, and the crew were repatriated to the Southern States, uh, where where they went on to to um, continue to fight in in the American Civil War until it finished the following year.
2: Um, I should say that um, the great thing about Jerry's book is that all of these stories are are described alongside the shanties, where you have the uh, not only the lyrics but also the uh, the music as well i'm looking at one here and this brings me back to padstow in cornwall i was illegally in a pub i must have been about 16 i think and i was listening to them sing south australia in uh, in in the way that only um, the, the folk singers of padstow can do which is usually done with about 50 piano accordions and a mm-hmm. great deal of shouting um but it's a this is a super fun one to sing as well
4: yeah, yeah, my, my first um exposure to this was was the version by the Pogues um which I think was included on their 1987 album if I should fall from grace with god um and it was supplied by um by a f- famous Irish folk singer that they had drafted in um um just just a little earlier uh, a guy called Terry Woods. Uh so he sang that a kind of really rip-roaring v- version of it very fast and with that snare drum be- behind it which was so typical of the, of, of the Pogues. And then yeah kind of found out about it like you are uh, kind of listening to people sing it in folk clubs and 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 at folk festivals and so on and I found out a little bit more m- more about it. Uh there's not a great shanty connection with Australia despite the large amount of of trade and traffic that there was between Australia and and yeah. Britain for example in 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 the nineteenth century, um, but this is one uh, that 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 there is, um, um, and it's, you're right. It's a fun one to sing. Um, when you get everybody, it's it's uh, in- interesting. I mentioned in the book that it's probably one of the only few shanties that has references to both uh, heaving and hauling in in the same the, the same song. Um, for reasons that I described earlier on, most of the shanties would either be solely heaving songs, uh, or solely Hauling songs, um, but this one has a chorus of "Heave away, haul away," uh, which is great. <laughs> I just think it's it's, a, it's, it's great fun.
2: Yeah, um, let's finish with the most famous one of all, the drunken sailor, because you you reveal some truly extraordinary facts about that because uh, its roots, its Irish roots.
4: That's right. Well, um, um, you know, I said earlier on that uh, these these these, um, these songs are. Are are kind of made up of the bits and pieces lyrically and and melodically from 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 all over the place, so um, it it wouldn't be a surprise I, I think to to find that many of the shanties have melodies that are borrowed from from folk songs from Irish folk songs sometimes English folk songs and American folk songs as well. This one is an old march uh, from from from. Uh, Gaelic civilization be, before the the kind of f- proper fall of 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 of, of that civilization, um, and and the onset of the kind of seventeenth century religious wars. Um, that song itself is "O Roshide Vahawalia," which basically means something like "Hooray, uh, welcome home." And it has a melody that you can hear. We all learnt this at school when I was growing up in, in, in Dublin in the 60s and 70s. It goes, Oh, Roche the Oh, the And that kind of, you can see how that would have been picked up um, because it's got that underlying rhythm ding 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 ditel ding 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 what shall we do with a drunken sailor early in the morning it's kind of modal tune that it it doesn't really fit into a kind of minor or major tonality but but again it's it's kind of great fun to sing although if you look at the lyrics it's kind of pretty horrific really the kind of things that they're doing to the poor old drunken sailor they're shaving him and they're making him drink uh, poison water and all sorts of things. So uh, good fun to sing, but possibly not not as salubrious as we uh, we might suspect. No.
2: Well, let's leave it there, Jerry. I'm inspired. I'm going to go and take my dog for a walk now and I'm going to be singing South Australia as loudly as I can off the cliffs of Dartmoor. Fantastic. Thank you so
4: much for, uh, for talking to me today. You're very welcome. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye.
2: Well, that's it for today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this special on Sea Shanties. Do please follow us on social media. You can find the Society for Nautical Research on Twitter. You can find the Mariner's Mirror pod on YouTube and on Instagram. And uh, how can you help? You can please leave us a review on iTunes. But best of all, please just sign up to the Society for Nautical Research at snr.org.uk. And your subscription fee will go towards publishing the most important maritime history and towards preserving our maritime past. That's it for now, guys. Bye.